Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. Bar fortnightly feature match of the week, which this time round involves the men's football third eleven. But that's not all. We'll be talking hockey, netball, and all the best of Bryanston sporting action from the last fortnight. In the second half of the show, we will then broaden our perspective to discuss all the big issues from world sport. We'll be talking Premier League football, the opening fortnight of the Six Nation Rugby, and what can only be described as a controversy-laden first week of the Winter Olympics, whilst of course keeping one eye on the currently ongoing Champions League fixtures, and most of all, with no bias from whatsoever from me, Brighton and Hove Albion versus Manchester United in the Premier League. What would make us exceptionally happy is if you, our listeners, would get in contact. You can do this by texting us on 66777, calling us on 033-555-2555, or emailing us at hello at bry.radio. We want to hear your opinion on anything we have to say. Well, that's enough from me. Let me introduce you to my wonderful opening studio team. On my left, I have producer extraordinaire and soccer ball golf blocker supremo from the US of A, Mr. Walter Sharon. I'm also joined in front of me by women's football superstars and legends of Harvard House, B.W. and Josie L. And I'm going to start with B on my right here. So, B, have you ever been on Bry Radio before? I have never been. Uh, and are you excited to talk about a topic which I know is close to your heart, that of football? Yes, indeed. I'm very excited. I've been thinking about this all day. Fantastic. And Josie, are you also, is this your, your debut on the, on, the, on the air as well? This is my debut the first time. Well, fantastic. You're, you, you've got a fellow American with you here as well to see you through. Right, girls. <laughs> Girls and boys, we're going to kick off with this feature I've been promising you, which is the journey from Mount Kelly, the epic story of uh, women's football's rise from a slightly dodgy start against Mount Kelly College to their current competitive uh, force. And I'm just going to kick things off with who else but the coach of the women's first 11 football, Miss Andrews. So I'm very grateful to be joined by uh, the first 11 girls football coach, uh, Miss Andrews here. Uh, Thank you, Miss Andrews, for joining me. Thank you. No problem. And I just wanted to ask, first of all, just tell us a little bit about your sort of backstory in football. What got you into it? Have you played the game? What your coaching experience is? Um, Well, I suppose I probably got into it by having a twin brother who, as a child, forced me to stand in goal for him. Um, and so grew up playing the game when I got a little bit older in secondary school and they introduced it as a girls sport at my school I had a little bit more experience than most other girls that I was playing with in my school and so made it into the first team at my secondary school played throughout my secondary school and then um, kind of dropped out of it once we went to uni and onwards so it's been great that it's been brought back in as a girls sport here um, and I've been able to start coaching it. Yeah, fantastic. I have to say, I have actually had experience of Miss Andrews uh, watching her play football. She once skinned me a couple of times in uh, a staff, a staff uh, five-a-side, but there we go. So, yeah, you touched on the fact that it's been brought in as a core sport uh, here in the spring term. Uh, what are your general comments on that? Uh, I think it's great. I think it's, uh, I think it's really good that the girls have a different opportunity in the sixth form. Um, I think we see a lot of positivity down at training with the girls um, and it's great that that's now being added into as an option for the bees as well. Um, and hopefully it's something that we can see growing as a, a sport for the girls. 
Fantastic. And, you know, uh, having had a look at the results, it's been quite a tough journey, hasn't it? So do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, sort of where you started with this team and where they're at now? Uh, yeah, so we started with uh, what could can only really fairly be described as a, a tough first match uh, against Mount Kelly, who were, um, I think it's fairly, fairly fair to say they were out of our league. Um, and yeah, they had, we turned up and they were in, the girls were in Chelsea kit, the staff were in all Chelsea stash, um, and they definitely had some Chelsea skill behind them. Um, and bearing in mind that a lot of our team had started playing that week, uh, we were never really going to be particularly competitive against them. But since then, every game we've played has been a massive improvement. Mm -hmm. um, we had a loss against Pool High. Um, the score probably doesn't exactly reflect what was happening on the pitch. Mm -hmm. It probably should have been mm -hmm. quite a few fewer goals than mm -hmm. were scored. But we've got another match coming up against them in a couple of weeks' time. Mm -hmm. So it'll be really good to see how we can bring that, that score back down and hopefully get a few against them as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've had a couple of matches against Sherburn girls and again, some, some draws and a, a couple of kind of slight wins and slight, slight, slight losses. Mm -hmm. um, and when we get back on a, a full 11 aside with them, hopefully before mm -hmm. the end of the season, it'll be nice to get a win against them as well because we're definitely definitely come across as a stronger team yeah no I, I mean and and just to clarify that Mount Kelly uh, game how, how, what's the round trip for that <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was probably about five hours in a coach so that's um, um, we're not gonna we're not gonna say the result on air but it was quite it was quite a tough it was a tough afternoon for the girls a tough a tough uh, sort of welcome to to senior girls football I guess but yeah as you said really great to see an improvement in results who would you say have been the sort of key players uh, along that journey who who if we were to sharpen a game should we be looking out for I think there's a few people who have particularly shown a massive improvement over the the four weeks and so definitely some of the A3s really stand out girls who hadn't really played at all when they started in January and what we now six weeks on have have made huge, huge improvements. Um, mm. So Eleanor is definitely one of those. Mm -hmm. um, Ella and Liv mm -hmm. um, and Giselle, all girls that, yeah, hadn't hadn't really played much or hadn't played at all, and we've found the right position for them, and they're they're absolutely dominating that pitch now. Mm -hmm. So tonight I'm going to be uh, very happily joined by uh, Josie and B as their coach. Do you have any comments for them in terms of their contribution on the pitch? Oh, they've been they've been brilliant. Josie particularly brings. Um, in fact, we've modelled the rest of her of the team on her aggression. Oh, fantastic! Um, because that was something that definitely the early matches we were lacking. We were a little bit reluctant to go into the tackles just being a little bit too polite and um Josie brought that that aggression and intensity and that's something that the other girls have all picked up on and both of them as A2s are really good at just bringing the whole team together and um kind of galvanizing them fantastic so what does the rest of the season look like for 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 your team how many more games have you got so we've got um a rematch against pool high yeah. which hopefully will be it will be a little bit more competitive than our than our yeah. first one was we've got a, a game against millfield um, which will be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, one against Budmouth College mm -hmm. down in Weymouth, mm -hmm. um, and then hopefully another one rematch against Sherbourne girls as well. So quite a few more opportunities for the girls to, to show what they're capable of. Um, and I think what's quite exciting is a lot of the, the team is made up by A3s, and so yeah. moving forward to next year, yeah. there should actually be hopefully a really strong team ready for for next year as well yeah i mean you sort of preempted my next question there i was going to ask sort of where where do you see Bryanston women's football going in the next few years 
I think we're in a really good position that there's still not a huge number of schools doing it. And so if we're essentially a little bit ahead of the game than a lot of the, the independent schools, we're having to play a fair few state schools and things at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then the local area is, it is really only us and Sherburn that seem to be, to be doing much at the moment. So if we're even just a few years ahead of them, then hopefully we could be, be pretty competitive. And the boys' first team are having a really successful season. The under-15A boys' yeah. team are having a really successful season. So if we can match that with, with what the girls are doing, then it could be quite a successful sport at the school, hopefully. Yeah, to me, it sounds like a fantastic opportunity. And, you know, it's just really impressive what you and the girls have done so far this season. Thank you very much for joining me this Thanks afternoon, Miss Andrews. And I wish you and your team the very best. So that was me catching up with uh, Miss Andrews, the uh, girls' first 11 football coach. And as I said, I'm happily, very happily joined by two of their star players. Uh, here I've got uh, B and Josie, uh, and I'm going to ask them a few questions about their team and their football uh, prowess. So I'm just going to start with B on my right here. B, tell me a bit about your footballing backstory. Have you played much football before this year? Uh, I played a bit last year, but not much to be honest. I usually would play netball in the winter term, but thought I'd mix it up this year. Thought you'd mix it up yeah. this year. Where, whereabouts on the on the pitch are you playing at the moment? I saw an Instagram post the other day which indicated you might you might have a decent goal scoring boot on you. Yeah, well, just me and my hat trick skills. <laughs> So you're a <laughs> left wing, right wing. Left, left wing or right wing. So, so like <laughs> your brother then, Finn, yeah. who's who's also a very accomplished uh, right winger uh, for the first eleven boys' first eleven. So, so a big strong footballing family we've got we've got going on here at Bryanston. Um, so Josie, coming to you, tell us a bit about this aggressive side of yours on the football pitch. How does that come out on on the pitch? Um, I mean, yeah, I think that I think that a lot of the players when we're playing, they seem to like touch. If they touched another player, they get really scared and they like apologize. But yeah. I think you know my actual football skills are maybe lacking a little bit. So what I lack in football skills, I make up for and just really you know putting my body forward and trying to get the ball down the pitch. Nice. And it's nothing wrong with having tenacity uh, uh, in any sport, really. Exactly. What position do you play? Do you? Are you um, a midfielder or defender or anywhere? More of yeah, midfield forward type. Uh, midfield vibes. forward type. So, girls, who else would you mention alongside yourselves as the sort of star players uh, in the team? Uh, I think Safina's really good. Yeah, Safina's really she good. She really gets down with the ball. She she's a good goal scorer. I think Eleanor's quite good too. Yeah. At like in the we usually play up front with like Eleanor, Safina, B and I. Yeah. yeah. Ophelia's no. quite good as well too. Nice. And who plays in goal, might I ask? Um, Alba. Alba, fantastic, fantastic. So just hearing it, there's quite a big sort of uh, Harvard contingent. There is, on there the pitch. is. Yeah. What, I'd say around nine. Of what's us. the sort of chemistry like having so many from one house on the pitch? I mean, Pretty as good. the best house, Harvard, you know, we're really bonded. We're quite a small. There's quite house. a lot of shouting. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's shouting, but there's also mostly encouragement shouting, and you know, working together as a team. Since we work together in the house, it really you know, it translates to the field. And how does how does your experience playing football this term compare to past experiences? B, you said you played netball. Like, you enjoying it or seeing it as similar or preferring it? No, yeah, I really do like football. I like the atmosphere and there's a lot lot of us. So it's, a, yeah, I, I do prefer it from netball. 
And Josie, how about you with other sports you've played or is football your sort of main game, would you say? Uh, well, I did cross country mostly last term and I liked it a lot, but it was a lot of running. And so I kind of like, I, I think I thought that there'd be less running with football. But uh, it's actually, you thought wrong. <laughs> I did think wrong there. But in terms of uh, my pla- my past experiences with football at my old school, when it was soccer yeah. and I was the ball girl, yeah. I prefer this because I get a little more time on the field, I think. Fantastic. <laughs> And what would you say, girls, have been your highlights of the season so far? There's a lot of mention against of this two-all draw. Was that against Sherbourne? Yeah. Yeah, that was an intense match. I think my favourite moment was our first ever goal because we'd had our first two matches, unfortunately, we went without goals, which was... <laughs> which was and conceded a fair few, we might add. <laughs> yes, yeah. sadly. So it'd been a while, but um, I think the first goal was from Safina and it was just really yeah. exciting. Everyone on the pitch just went wild. How, how did she celebrate? How did Safina celebrate the goal? I think it was a lot we're of... We're trying to figure that one out. Yeah, we're still working on the celebrations. Yeah. It's mostly just jumping up and down, but we're trying screaming. to find a good, like... You know, I feel like you need a, you need a team synchronized celebration. I know. We do. The boys, the boys first eleven have some fantastic ones. Well, no, they're not really synchronized, but they've all got their own. You know, Tom Jay uh, has one. Um, yeah, uh, and it's it, you know, well, girls, I'm really happy to hear that you're enjoying football because I myself am a big fan of football and a big fan of women's sport. I feel like it's one of those games that there is no reason why women's football can't be enormous. I don't know what you think yeah, about that. Yeah, agreed. I think so too. I think it's, yeah, I think it's so important to get to get more women's sports that like align with men's sports. Mm. I think it's really important to, mm. you know, get women out on the pitch mm. being active. Mm. And we're not saying anything against their netball and hockey. Those are both fantastic sports uh, also. Uh, but I have noticed, you know, down at the touchline, what's the, what's the vibe been like? Because normally for these football games, we get quite big crowds. What's it been like for your ones, home matches? Quite big crowd. Yeah. We Quite asked big. Esme to send out a few emails, so so that's worked. We tried think, to get some people down. I think down. Saturdays, Thursdays are tough because everybody yeah. has sport, but Saturdays it's a nice vibe because we've got usually got the boys right alongside us. So yeah, parents will drift from side to side, and as people's practices finish, they'll head over yeah. as well. Great. And what are your ambitions, girls, for the rest of the season? I mean, Miss Andrews sounded fairly optimistic about continued improvement. I think I'd really like to beat Sherburne if we play Same. them. I'd say around 6-0. 6-0, 6-0. <laughs> six nil. Who, who, who will be the goal scorers in that 6-0 win? I don't do you know, imagine? Josie, would it be you? Uh, I'd love to get a goal this season. I think that'd be good. One for what me. What about a little header goal? A header goal, yeah, exactly. A little header That would be <laughs> Do you have someone, do you have, a, do you have like, a, you know, a quality playmaker who can give in crosses that can be headed? Oh, we're working on it. Well, yeah, you're working on that. That's a skill you're working on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, know, a good, that's a good thing to do next. Well, yeah, next exactly. Session. If you can, you know, if you can loft balls into the box like that, with 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 uh, tall players like you, Josie, they'll be <laughs> they'll be headed goals left, right, yeah, it's and centre. I'm blocked behind other players. That's why I need to be aggressive to yeah. elbow my way in front. Have you have you been uh, blown up by the referee yet for fouling someone? I haven't. No, so, actually, we've been we've never really gotten the any... first match. We screamed quite a lot. We got told off. Yeah, we got told off. But in fact, yeah. in the last Sherburn match, they w- they got a few whistles. One of them like slammed their body into me, and I went flying, and so I got a free kick off that. Which fantastic, was fantastic. Well, you know, it's a real it's a real sort of dark art of the game how to yeah. win free kicks. Mm. And I think from what uh, Miss Andrews has said, and what you yourself have said, I can see you as 
one of those gritty midfielders who might who might win a fair few fouls uh, in her in her playing career. Well, girls, thank you so much uh, for joining us on Bry Radio this evening, uh, and I really do genuinely wish you all the best with the rest of the season because I think this girls' football revolution uh, that's yeah. going on is is a great great thing. Um, so best of luck uh, with uh, the rest of the season. We're going to cut now to a quick Shout song, and when we come Woo. back, we are. You going to have uh, our match of the day theme uh, which will this this time be um, all about the mighty third 11 and their win against Canford gentlemen's 11 that's after a bit of Michael Jackson bye girls
Welcome back to Bry Radio. The time is 8.36 and you are listening to the second instalment of TalkSport. For all you football fans up there, out there, just to update you with the scores, currently the Champions League from Paris Saint-Germain versus Real Madrid. It's nil all. Sporting Lisbon, uh, Manchester City. Manchester City have taken an early 3-0 uh, lead in the first half there and the Premier League fixture between Manchester United and Brighton Hove Albion is currently nil all. So welcome to the second part of, our, part of our show where we are going to uh, introduce our theme which is a match of the week and the match of the week this uh, week is essentially uh, the Bryanston uh, third 11 versus the Camford Gentlemen's 11 which was a 4-1 win uh, for uh, Bryanston on Saturday I'm joined by a new pundit in the studio uh, Ethan A welcome Ethan uh, tell us a bit about yourself and your sporting interests well, um, I'm a huge United fan. Fantastic. Um, I've been a football fan for quite a while. Yeah. Um, mainly started following in the 14-15 season. I've been really active since then. Yeah. So I know quite a lot about so, recent football. So what a perfect, what a perfect team of pundits for tonight's Brighton Hove Albion versus uh, Manchester United games. We've got a Brighton fan and a United fan sitting at the same desk. But for now, we're going to focus, Ethan, on a game you took part in uh, on Saturday, which I, which was this uh, third eleven win against Camford. And after the game, I spoke with your two, two coaches, uh, Mr. Carter and Mr. Calver. Let's hear what they had to say uh, about uh, the match. So I'm very happy to be joined in the uh, common room by uh, the elite coaching team of the Bryanston Third Eleven, uh, Mr. Richard Calver uh, and Mr. Sam Carter. Thank you for joining me, gentlemen. Uh, firstly, can I just get your initial reaction to a superb win, I'd say, uh, for your Third Eleven against the uh, Camford Gentlemen's Eleven? Mr. Pullen, firstly, thank, thank you for having us. I, I think the win on, <clears throat> sorry, the win on, on Saturday was a really good culmination of what we've been working on in training the last few weeks. We've really tried to implement some, some match practice into our training sessions and just to see some of those plays be translated into the games is really, really pleasing from a coaching standpoint. Well, I mean, I've been hearing on the grapevine that you guys have been employing some quite innovative coaching, uh, coaching strategies. I heard something about quite a sort of data-driven approach. Tell me a bit about that philosophy. Yeah, we moved away from humanism towards datarism last week because we thought that actually our gut instinct wasn't getting us the best results and there were a lot of players that were there or thereabouts. So we thought that the numbers don't lie. Uh, we had Mr Johnny Waters as head of development pathways helping us with the trial and in fact it was the data that led us to, to pick a 17 for this week. It was nice to see actually that the engines kept going through the game, we had good rotation from the subs and that we were able to win pretty ugly. I wouldn't say it was a pretty win, it was quite rough around the edges uh, certain rugby players forgot they were playing football at times, but four goals against one, we won the match. 
Okay, yeah, so before we uh, move into focusing on the game in a bit more detail, just tell me how, you, you mentioned your, what do you call him, Director of Development, Johnny Waters. Just tell us how the sort of relationship between uh, your, your quite heavily stacked backroom staff works for the squad. Who takes the lead in what issues? I'd say that Mr Carter is the genius behind the show. Uh, Mr Waters is, is useful in providing training and development for players that maybe have slight gaps in their ability, uh, be it touch, control, fitness, whatever it is. He's got an assortment of drills straight from the FA to help them to catch up with where the third eleven is. I see my role as a little bit halfway in between, helping Mr Carter, offering a few tactics, but also staying in touch with our head of development, Future Pathways, Mr Waters, to make sure that we get the best 17 out each week. And I hear, Mr Carter, your, your aforementioned tactical acumen has earned you a little nickname amongst the boys. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. They, um, <clears throat> they refer to me affectionately as Gaff, which I think, I think pays testament to the culture we've created in the third eleven. Those boys, they play for each other out on the pitch. And I think that really is what, right now, is taking us head and shoulders above our opposition. Mm. Talent-wise, yeah, we're good. As we say, the data doesn't lie. We could be better, but really what is pulling the team together is the way they're playing for one another and they're playing for Bryanston. And I think, as you say, this, this, this affectionate name they have for me just pays testament to, to the culture we've created. OK, so Mr Calver, you, you said you, you won in an ugly manner on Saturday. Who are, the sort of, who are the sort of standout players to look out for amongst your team? Who put in a good shift? Uh, by the way, it was a 4-1 win, I believe against the gentlemen's 11. Uh, weather wasn't great. Um, very well refed, I, I have to say, by, by uh, Mr Walter Sharon. We'll talk about that a bit later. But, um, yeah, so who were the standout performers? Well, Mr Sharon was excellent for us in getting our first goal. Uh, he awarded us a penalty at the end of the first half, which certainly helped to open our account. It was good to get some confidence and to see uh, a stri- our striker uh, bury it in the bottom-hand corner. I think that our defence put in a real shift. We were trying out two wing-backs uh, with a defensive mindset who could push forward. A few of them were a little bit stranded towards the second half as their fitness waned, but uh, there, were, there were a couple in particular that put in a, a really good effort and were on the pitch for the whole 90 minutes. Fantastic. Who Do you want to mention any names, uh, Mr Carter? Anyone yeah, in particular impress I, you? I, I think someone we, we've picked up in the last few weeks is a, is a rugby convert, um, Mr Charlie L. Yeah. We, we, we kind of put him in the deep end and asked him to play this, this wing-back position, which for third eleven football requires quite high football IQ. And he just delivered. He ran, he ran the whole game. He understood the position. He played sensibly, played within himself and just did a job for the team. And I think that was really, really what impressed me. Yeah, well, a recent theme of the show has been the sort of uh, ability of sportsmen to transition between, uh, you know, different disciplines. And I think, I think, yeah, Charlie, for example, he's a good rugby player, isn't he? Uh, and showing that sort of games awareness. Uh, so what about, what about, I'm, I'm, joined, I'm going to be joined in the studio tonight by Ethan A. What would you make, would you have any comments for him as his coach? Yeah, just, just a workhorse. Again, dedicated to the cause. He works really, really hard in defence. He gives it all he can for 90 minutes. Um, that kind of, that whole back line we've got, we've got Max, Chris, Alex and Ethan there. The, uh, the way they've gelled over the last few weeks, I think is the reason why we're not conceding many goals. So... All, all praise for Ethan. I'd also add to that, it was great to see when we rewarded the penalty, see him stride up the pitch, uh, check with the gap to see whether it should be him, in fact, taking the penalty. 
Um, he was he was uh, removed from the options. He was probably seventh or eighth on the list, but it was good to see that positive attitude um, towards the penalty. No, well, I mean that must be a you know a great insight into the broader confidence of the team that your centre back is willing willing to take a spot kick um, for the boys. Okay, so chaps, moving forward, I mean, I've had a look on socks, and you know, statistically, you're up there with the very best in terms of win ratio. What's the limit to where this team can go? What is what does the rest of the season have in store for us? I, I, I mean, I, I think you, you, you limit yourself by using the word limit there. There yeah. is no limit for this team. Yeah. We have a return fixture with the Canford Gentlemen's eleven. It is, it's a two-leg game, so we're 4-1 up. Away goals are counting double if it's a draw. Okay. So if they come away with a 3-0 win, we're not laughing anymore. So we need to keep our, our foot to the pedal, work really hard over the next few weeks. Again, we've got this Canford game. We've then got a game against Marlborough and I think maybe Kings Taunton I'm, I'm not sure exactly and hopefully a rematch with Sherbin so plenty more football to be played um, and plenty of places to play for in the third team but then I'd, I, I don't know about you Mr Cowboy but I'd love to see some of our guys progressing up the ranks and having a chance in the seconds or even the firsts yeah I think an easy win in the seconds at the moment they're, they're an easy scalp so I look forward to Mr Knight uh, and Mr Stokes letting us uh, go at them again with a proper squad proper warm up because we'll happily put them away well, I love to hear this confidence and thank you very much, gentlemen, for, for joining me today. I wish you all the best. I wish you and your, your great team, this, this third eleven that's redefining Bryanston footballing philosophy, all the best with the rest of your, your So we're back on air. I just want to give a little technical uh, shout out. Um, basically, I hear some of you are having uh, uh, disruption. Just try reloading the app and you should hear my dulcet tones once again. So I'm back in the studio with Ethan and there's a lot to reflect on uh, in that interview just starting Ethan with this with this data-driven philosophy that Mr Calver uh, spoke about do you want to expand a little bit on what that involves as a player under this regime yes it was very interesting um, regime that started Um, so I believe two weeks ago so um, the third and fourth teams were both invited for a trial to see who would be playing for the thirds and who would be playing for the fourths and it included a fitness test, passing drills. Um, there was some dribbling and finishing drills as well. So we were looking at these core aspects of our game in order to see how we could improve. And I think that um, the results spoke for themselves. We have a really good group of players in the third team now. Um, it's, a it's a lovely team. I love playing for them. I've noticed that a lot of the other boys do as well. And you can really see the quality that's come from this data-driven technique. <laughs> Well, that is great to hear. Guys, I've got to remind you, we are talking here about the Bryanston third 11. Just look at the quality in the coaching across the board. It is so pleasing to hear Ethan speak so passionately uh, about his 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 coach's uh, philosophy. Uh, Ethan, picking up on another aspect of that interview. Uh, so you're part of quite a strong back four, it sounds like, uh, uh, for that team. Do you want to talk a little bit about how it's like to play in the defence for, for this team? Well, it's more of a back five. Okay. Um, we're currently going with three centre-backs at the moment, I, Chris and Alex, and it's been going quite well. Um, it's a great it's a great defence, we're all really close friends, and we, we all know how to communicate with each other. There were a few instances where that didn't seem as the case against Camford, but um, we're certainly improving, and we're improving together as a back line, and that's great to see. Um, we have wing-backs now, usually have um, Charlie Lord. Charlie L and um, Ethan E. So 
when we have these players um, going up and down the field, supporting the defence, you don't have to go with the back four all the time. There's a more untraditional approach to football these days. And I love the fact that we're trying new things with the squad. And do you remember who scored the goals in the game on Saturday? Um, did Will get one? Yeah. I know for a fact one person who did score uh, was JP uh, John Paul H. Uh, and he actually caught up with me having scored said goal. It was a very good finish, I have to say. And here were his words uh, to me after the game. So after their memorable win uh, against the Camford Gentlemen's Eleven on Saturday, I caught up uh, with goal scorer. Uh, JP. So, JP, first of all, tell us about the team performance um, against Camford on Saturday. Well, I thought we played exceptionally. In the first half, we started off a bit shaky. Um, Will Arnold, I think, managed to bag a goal. He's just said Will oh, Arnold. Yeah. Okay, well, that didn't quite work as I intended. Sorry, JP. Uh, basically, he was just talking about how good his own goal was. So uh, you can ask that uh, around and about uh, on campus uh, to him uh, later on this evening. Uh, just, I'm also very happy here to be joined by my producer, who's not only a technical whiz kid, but he is also a bit of a, a football nut himself. And he was labelled by that coaching staff as the key player uh, for that third 11 team. Yes, it was the ref from the day... Uh, 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 Mr. Walter Sharon and uh, uh, Mr. Sharon uh, I have to give credit to you refing a game like that I mean it made watching Millwall in the 1990s uh, look pretty pretty soft to be honest one has to be said what's it like to referee a game where there are some absolutely enormous tackles coming in left right and centre uh, for the whole game well as a, as a referee it's really when your your uh, your paycheck comes in right this is how you make your money yeah. as, a, as a third team Referee, um, I think you could categorize that match as a bit of Brexit ball. It's a term I'm more familiar with now that I'm over here in the in the UK. Really old school, you know, high flying studs up tackles, that sort of thing. Um, to be honest, if I were to call every single foul, uh, there would be the stopping and starting of a Super Bowl Super Bowl match. So to be fair, it's it's not exactly the easiest thing, but to be fair, uh, all the same, someone's got to do it. With with great uh, responsibility comes great technique and learning so here and, we are and what do you make uh, Mr Sharon of the fact that you you were credited with uh, Bryanston's first goal it's a bit it's a bit harsh and I, I do back myself on that penalty um, soft some may say but you know two hands in the back is two hands in the back whether it's on, in the box or anywhere else on the pitch so I stand by my decision well fantastic I mean I, as I said I can only credit you for your refereeing uh, for a tough game and thank you Ethan for providing some really good insights into this really interesting new philosophy uh, that's being pursued by Mr Calver uh, and Mr Carter uh, now I, we, I've spoken a lot about football there are some other Bryanston sports on this term which I have to keep reminding myself one of which is hockey and I I am happy to be joined by fan favourite from show number one, uh, Hugh F, who uh, obviously his main guys is the sort of lead rugby correspondent uh, for Bry Radio. But he also happens to be a member of the successful under 15A uh, hockey uh, team. And uh, Hugh, you had a good game on Saturday. Uh, tell us a little bit more uh, about it. What happened? Yeah, so the under 15As got a brilliant win, 5-2, um, against Downside. Some brilliant goals, a hat-trick from Harry B, and then some great composure shown in the box for Max H to put two away. 
Fantastic. Um, uh, and, and, and how's the season been so far in general for junior hockey? Uh, well, it's, it's been a bit mixed. Our first match was a 1-1 draw against Claysmore. We probably deserved more, just we couldn't put the ball in the goal. Um, a bit of a poor trip to downside, I'd say. Not the best result. And then coming into downside, a g- great way to get our revenge. Fantastic, fantastic. And and do you want to give any shout outs to the sort of the sort of star players in junior hockey at the moment? Well, as I said, Harry B got a hat trick, including a goal, which he shot from all fours on the floor with a dive. So he's be, he's been great all season, having moved up top quite late on. Tom Tom P has been running around the midfield non-stop, making plays. And then we've had quite a solid back four, including Drummond, Fergus, and Bailey. Who plays at? Uh... Who plays in goal for you guys? Eli. So this is his first season as a hockey goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Never tried it before, but mm-hmm. he's been doing a brilliant job. Well, that's great to hear. Have you had any appearances from uh, the much vaunted Rob uh, S playing for you this season? Yes, we have had one where he managed to bag himself a goal, as usual. And we have a cup match coming up at some point after half term, where hopefully we'll be able to stick Rob in the mix. And then suddenly our team is so much better. So does he mostly play for the senior teams at the moment? Yes, he is playing for the first 11 on a regular basis fantastic and Hugh um so 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 I know hockey isn't your favorite sport but 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 how do you feel I mean how would you advertise it as an option instead of football it seems like football's getting a lot of the headlines at the moment do you want to put in a good word for hockey as the traditional Bryanston boys uh spring term sport I think it's just a a different option there's so, so much fun um it's not it's it can just be a bit of a laugh with your mates, really. There's, there may be a few less matches, but that's more time in training to really hone your skills. So when you get to the matches, they can be a lot more fun and enjoyable as you're a lot more likely to win. And it should be said at Bryanston, we are blessed to have some real hockey experts uh, on the coaching staff. You know, you got you got all three Mr. Morrises. Uh, you got Mr. Fermor Dunman. Uh, you got many good uh, women's coaches such as uh, uh, Miss Simmons, Miss Strange, uh, even people like Mr. Johnson. I mean, it's a really good, uh, strong team and definitely not a sport to disregard. You know, Bryanston has such a rich history of hockey uh, in the spring term and I'm very keen, as much as I love football, to keep giving it its time uh, on air because I don't think we should uh, cast it aside into the sort of the, 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 into the sort of backlog of expansion sports. It should stay as this core sport in the spring term alongside football. Just to give a shout out to some other results, uh, following on from hockey in addition to the triumph for under 15 a's there were some great wins on the weekend for the under 18 a who won 5-1 uh, against um, again downside and the under 15 b's who won 3-1 in other news the net the Bryanston netball uh, juggernaut rolls on ba- basically we had a really good block fixture uh, on Saturday against Sherbourne girls involving wins for uh, the under 18 b which looking down the team looks like a essentially a team of of what we call B's but in reality year 11's so really promising uh, for the first uh, first uh, girls team going forward wins for the under 15 A's and wins pretty much across the board for the mighty under 14's who are really making waves this season I believe they've only lost one a close game to Camford so in A, B and C uh, they all have recorded wins I'm sure our netball correspondent uh, Miss Evans will be very pleased about that 
So we are now coming up to uh, uh, 8.55. I just want to remind you how we can you can get in contact with this show. I would love to hear your text, your thoughts on Bryanson Sport, or as we enter the world sports section, uh, your thoughts on that equally. Uh, you can text us on double six triple seven, or you can email uh, at Bry Radio. Uh, when we get back, we are going to be moving into the world sports section after we give you the headlines uh, of the recent Bryanston and World Sporting News. That's over another after another song uh, from Michael Jackson.
The nine o'clock sporting news. The classified scores. Bryanston House cross country. Junior boys. Winners Cranbourne. Fastest time Oscar V. Senior boys. Winners Dorset. Fastest time Fred F. Senior girls. Winners Purbeck. Fastest time Emily S. Champions League football. Half time scores. Paris Saint Germain. Nil. Real Madrid. Nil. Sporting Lisbon nil, Manchester City four. And in the Premier League, Manchester United nil, Brighton Hove Albion nil. And welcome back to uh, Bryanston Bry Radio. This is Sports Talk. The time now uh, is nine o'clock as we enter our world sport uh, focus uh, section. So just to give you a rundown of what's going to happen for the next half hour or so, uh, Ethan and I are going to be, and and actually Mr. Sharon, are going to be talking a bit of Champions League and Premier League football. We're then going to have uh, Hugh F. Uh, back on his beloved Six Nations. And then we are going to be joined uh, with... Uh, Mr. Griffiths and we're going to be talking about what can only be described really as a controversy filled uh, start to the Winter Olympics. Uh, so Ethan, uh, big night of football tonight. Uh, what do you make of the games so far? What do you make of the games going on at the moment? Um, Manchester City versus Sporting has been, I can't lie, this is um, a result I saw coming. Yeah. Um, Sporting has been, have been quite impressive this season. However, they're currently second in Liga Nos, and considering that they're still behind Porto, and Porto aren't even doing the best currently in the Europa League, I think it's fitting that Man City are dominating, considering how amazing they've been in the Prem this season. Yeah, I mean, to go away, I mean, Sporting Lisbon are not, I mean, they're sort of Champions League minnows, really. But to go away from home and put four on the board, uh, have you seen who are the goal scorers this evening? Um, so far... I think Maris, Foden and Bernardo Silva have been on the score sheet so far. Fantastic, fantastic. And as a United fan, how do you feel about City once again being on fire? Well, since I've started watching football, City have definitely been the dominant side in England, mm. um, winning titles almost every season since. And it's quite sad to see, see them doing so well, but considering the fact that they haven't actually been able to win the Champions League, I think that's an important factor that will come back to buy them later in the competition. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. see, the PSG as well reached the final, couldn't win. I see that happening again. And what would you, what would you, uh, what do you make of United's current predicament? I mean, I saw them scrap on the weekend to a fairly awful one-all draw against Southampton. I think what's going wrong there at the moment, Ethan? Um, I think it's something we've seen in recent years with managers coming in trying different things with the squad and often you go for managers trying to look at individual billions and I think Ragnick is trying to get that out right now trying to prevent players from taking the game by themselves and getting a full team performance but that's not really working because we've relied on that for quite a long time mm-hmm. um, a lot of people say that um, Olegan Solskjaer ran on basically just vibes and telling players to get out on the field and do whatever makes them happy. I don't think that was the case. We had a lot of attacking football, as you saw. Mm-hmm. We scored tons of goals. We didn't have the best defence, and Ragnarok should definitely help that change. Yeah. But 
you win football matches by scoring goals and we're not doing that right now. Yeah, and, and can, can I ask you, I know as a United fan, this might be sacrilegious to even, to even consider, but has Ronaldo really been the positive force uh, that you would have hoped? Well, it's been a mixed season for him, in my opinion. He's put in decent numbers for a striker. This is what he expects of any good striker. But considering the fact that it's Cristiano Ronaldo and he's supposed to be arguably the best player in world history, um, it's quite disappointing for him. Um, the squad is meant to be improving. And you think a player like him would improve that, considering that we finished second last season. So looking at the squad and seeing how we've arguably got even worse mm -hmm. with him up front, it's quite sad to see. I don't think he's been what we made him out to be at all. He seemed to be a panic buy in a sense that he was possibly going off to City and I think we just couldn't allow that. And mm -hmm. um, Mr Sharon, just bringing you in as our producer but also a uh, football pundit, uh, what have you made of United's struggles this season? Much the same really, hasn't it been? It has been and, and to be fair, I don't know if this is a bit harsh but I don't think you could pay me to be a United fan at this point in time. There's so much <laughs> turmoil both on the pitch and and, you know, it's not a distant memory of what happened with the, with the Nations, or not with the Nations, the Super League, excuse me, or that, that debacle as well. So I think it is, I do feel for United fans, not, not really, but um, a little bit in the sense that there's always that optimism, that hope that with that sort of pedigree of, of team and players, you will achieve everything. But I think they're still chasing those, those days of Fergie. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, who who have they had since then? What they've had, uh, of course, David Moyes given that seven-year contract that was probably meant to run out about half a season ago or something. Van Gaal, who didn't do much better, and all and dear old Ollie, who seemed for a short while to have sort of uh, rediscovered the glory days of Old Trafford. You know, he brought back in sort of familiar faces from Fergie's era uh, uh, and had chants sung about him. But then, you know, was sacked in the morning so to speak not to mention of course a brief stint uh, from Jose Mourinho that I'd completely forgotten about yeah. but yeah no, no, it hasn't been a good few years for United um, Ethan what do you what, what are your what's your opinion on that I mean you might have been a bit young to remember the, the, the halcyon days of Fergie's uh, managership but but how do you feel he, he left the club in, in what sort of state did he leave it in do you feel he won the league title as he was leaving I think, yeah. don't think there's a better way to leave a club mm -hmm. Um, you had David Moyes coming in and he certainly wanted to make the team his own, but that just didn't work out. Um, it was a poor season for everyone at the club. No one knew what the future was. We had a few good players coming in at the time. I believe we brought in Fellaini and Mata and now Mata doesn't play and Fellaini's off somewhere in China. And considering the levels they were at at the time they, brought, they were brought in, it's quite sad to see. You have um, Van Hal, who came in as the saviour, one of the most decorated managers in football, in football, and seeing him only leave with, I think, two seasons in the FA Cup was also quite poor, obviously better than David Moyes, but for the level United were at as Ferguson left them, it wasn't what we were hoping for. That's why he was sacked. Yeah, well, just looking at the live feed from, uh, you know, the game against uh, Brighton, as much as I am a Brighton fan and, you know, I love the fact we're going to Old Trafford and more than competing, 
you know, this 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 would be unspeakable ten years ago. The fact that Brighton are currently at Old Trafford and apparently were the better team uh, in the first half, uh, created the better chances, and your United team have actually been booed off. Uh, I've read um, as they left the field. It, it, it's not been a great night by the by the sounds of things uh, for Manchester United. They have a long way to go. Uh, one feels uh, to catch those at the top of the league. On that subject, uh, briefly, Ethan. Um, on uh, in our debut show, uh, our previous uh, one of our other football correspondents, uh, Ben W, said the Premier League is effectively over as a contest, and that Liverpool are almost guaranteed to win. Would Would you agree with that statement? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. You're at all. you're you're a you're a romantic, are you? You think there's more drama to be had uh, uh, as we hit the rest of the season? Um, Man City and Liverpool have obviously been the best teams in the league this season. But you do have Chelsea coming off with a FIFA Club World Cup win, um, won the Champions League as well. And with all that's happening in football right now, I think that the Premier League is probably not the most competitive, but is certainly the highest standard of football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a tough league at the moment, the Premier League. From from top to bottom, re- bottom really, there are no easy results. And, you know, even Newcastle now, uh, with the takeover that's happened, mm. you'd imagine they're suddenly going to climb back up uh, and maybe recapture uh, their uh, glory days. What are, you, what, are you, what are your predictions for the other games on tonight? What else have we got? We've got... Um, We've got uh, so we, we we've got also PSG versus Real Madrid. What 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 are you calling for that? Two absolute Galactico teams of Europe. Well, that's certainly the match of the day for me. Um, you have Messi going up against Real Madrid, a club he loves to score against, and you have the Real Madrid side that's been doing amazing in the La Liga so far. And I'm not sure who's going to win this fixture. To be fair. Mauricio Pochettino isn't doing an amazing job with the talents he has so far. And he's been linked with the United job, and I don't think he's the man for it, considering he's not doing what he should be with this squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Real Madrid should be winning because there's generally an imbalance in how the um, PSG team should be playing. But they look to be finding their groove, so it's certainly an interesting match to see how it plays out. Well, we'll keep a close eye and keep you updated with all the goals from the fixtures. Right, people, uh, we are going to move into a quick song and then we're going to get on with some rugby chat with Mr Griffiths and Hugh F. I just want to remind you of how you can get in contact with the show uh, by texting double six uh, triple uh, seven. A few of a few people have said they've tried to get in contact with the show. I haven't actually had anything pop up on the system, so maybe try again. Double six triple seven. Start your message with Bri but it should get to us anyway. When we get back, we're going to have Mr. Griffiths and Hugh talking some rugby.
Welcome back to Bry Radio, the second instalment of uh, Sports Talk. The time is 12 past nine and we have uh, lots more to talk about. We're going to talk rugby now in answer to one of our, our texters, JP. Uh, are we going to talk Six Nations? Yes, we are. And I have just the right man on my right here uh, to be talking rugby because he can do it all day long. It's Hugh F back in the studio. So Hugh, uh, what have you made of the opening two weekends of the Six Nations? Championship. Well, I mean, it's been very dramatic so far, but the first match wasn't really how we wanted it to go. Wales versus Ireland, not the best game, and Ireland absolutely dominated Wales. It was almost like an Italy game. They break down, absolutely useless. Irish attack, firing. Johnny Sexton was brilliant, but Wales, absolutely rubbish. But then the Calcutta Cup, what an absolute classic in the rain. Drama, everything. Great Great try from Marcus Smith. It was then controversially subbed off by Eddie Jones for George Ford. Was it the correct call? Some would argue yes. He's got 75 more caps than Marcus Smith. Who else would you want to see off a game in the cold, the wet, where high balls could be dropped at any point? Yeah, I, I would weigh in on that. I mean, Marcus Smith, I'm sure you'll get it. Get to his uh, performance against Italy. But I mean, he has been absolutely superb for England. All that those Harlequins fans have been banging on about for all these years has seemingly come to fruition. I mean, he's slotted in so well. Mr. Griffiths, uh, I should add, uh, one of my fellow uh, under-14B rugby coaches is in the studio. Mr. Griffiths, what have you made of a Mark of Smith, Marcus Smith at 10 for England so far this championship? Uh, firstly, good evening, sports fans. Uh, Marcus Smith in the Six Nations. Uh, yeah, that first game, uh, he was good, uh, but he really came alive in the Italy game on Sunday. I mean, they've been working on that attacking game for a long time. Uh, Eddie Jones has been pushing it. That's what they want to get. Him and Freddie Stewart playing 15 mm-hmm. have been driving that forward. Mm-hmm. And I think we really saw it come into the forefront of the way they played on s- Sunday, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was on Sunday, and I mean, he 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 assisted a couple, I think, and scored a brilliant um, uh, individual try as well. Hugh, what about some other games we've had so far? Yeah, so again, the final match of the Open weekend on Sunday: France versus Italy. And realistically, what could we expect? France having turned over the All Blacks just a few months ago versus Italy, who interestingly had the best defensive versus the All Blacks this year, conceding a try after just over half an hour which was extremely good performance however Roman and Tomac, Antoine Dupont and co easily dis- um, dismantled the defence to score some brilliant trials Fantastic, fantastic and then w- the week two games uh, Hugh? Yes, yeah, so this was probably what most Scott fans would say was their chance to go and finally win in Cardiff after all these years, just a just a win um, at the Parky Scarlets a few years ago was not the same as toppling the Principality Stadium. But Wales, inspired by their captain Dan Bigger's 100th cap, somehow managed to win despite what everyone was saying. That Scotland started well, Darcy Graham scoring a brilliant physical try, but eventually Wales just ground them down through a brilliant, a brilliant game by Dan Bigger who took the, got the clutch drop goal in the 70th minute. Mm. Some would say maybe he could have gone for the overlap, but realistically, to put a um, 14-man Scotland team under that much pressure. Well, Clive Woodward, the great Clive Woodward, would just say... 
build a score. I reckon there are some coaches out there who probably underrate drop goals uh, a little bit these days. Hugh, if one looks down uh, the, um, the the Wales team sheet, there, are, there aren't as many household names as there have been in previous seasons. Do you want to um, uh, talk to us a little bit about some of those new young players that have shown up? on the scene for Wales this championship so far. Yeah, so Tame Basham made his debut in the autumn, I think, and he's been absolutely on fire. He was uh, most people's standout player against Ireland. He's been making tackles, turnovers, nabbed himself an intercept try. Across the back row, Jack Morgan got himself a great debut, having impressed for his region. Um, Christ Schinzer, Will Rowlands, Adam Beard, relatively new, so that's... It's an exciting young pack who are yet to realistically prove themselves and that test could come against a also fairly inexperienced England pack but also with the world-class players of Mario Toje and Courtney Laws. Absolutely, absolutely. What other games have you been focusing on so far this championship? France-Ireland, what a game. It was dubbed as the Grand Slam decider but the, the French attack paired with their Sean Edwards defence where they backed themselves to get turnover after turnover, eventually toppled Mac Hansen's brilliance and the rest of the Irish play. Yeah, I mean Sean Edwards on that on that France team, probably the single biggest difference a coach going to an international team has ever had. I mean, France for so many years uh, were that enigmatic, uh, creative force, but just didn't have that spine that all great rugby teams uh, need as as great coaches like uh, uh, myself and Mr Griffiths know. You don't win anything through flair. You win through gritty defence. And that's what he's instilled uh, uh, with uh, the French. Uh, go on, Hugh, tell us a bit then about England. What about England-Italy? What did you make of that game? As you mentioned, Marcus Smith ran the show brilliantly, made up for his, um, some would say, mistakes against um, Scotland, maybe slowing down his backline's attack with some overly flashy play. But here, creating chances, getting himself a try, two or three assists, um, including the, the Sinclair try, organising Jamie George's try, involved in everything with some brilliant flat passes. I guess we also ought to give a shout out, this being Bry Radio, to our alumnus, uh, Charlie Ewells, who I thought had a very good game. What did you make of his performance? Yes, the, the England pack was pretty dominant. Um, well, yeah, some malls were, some tries were scored from really close to the line. No, no malls, but... It was the pick and go and the drive that allowed um, the flair to come through the back line. Yeah, Jamie George <laughs> rumbled over twice. A very good one for anyone uh, who's doing fancy team. Mr Griffiths, do you want to weigh in on, on England's performance against Italy? Yeah, I mean, I'd echo everything Hugh said. Uh, I think it's also worth giving quite a big shout out to uh, Ellis Genge, yeah. who was running as a prop. He was running lines like an inside centre. Yeah. But when uh, Negri went down with a head injury, he was helping out making sure he was okay, yeah, which is I a mean, very yeah, important well, I mean, thing you know, to do. Rugby, you know, we talk a lot about football on this show, and I don't want to bash football in this regard, but rugby, it's nice to see that gentlemanly aspect of the sport come to the, come to uh, come out, and that, that's been widely, uh, rightly publicised on social media as a lovely, touching moment there uh, from uh, Ellis Genge. Boys, uh, what do we reckon for the championship going forward? Who looks like the team to beat? Where do we think uh, this Six Nations Championship is going to be decided? Hugh first. This could be um, this coming weekend. So um, two two weeks time could be France's slip up. They ha- they face Scotland um, in the Murrayfield Cauldron and having looked so assured against Ireland, we know that so far 
in every campaign they've done, they've kind of have a, had a fail. That was last year against Scotland. You could see it happening again. It depends how this this off week goes. But if they if they play the same as they did with Untermax offload and all their patterns running, then it'll be really hard for Scotland to stop, despite their really assured defence. Fantastic. And Mr Griffiths, your, your call? Uh, I think it's Francis to lose. Uh, but I think Wales, you can't underestimate them. They're bouncing back from no. a 29-7 defeat. Uh, they're going to Twickenham full of energy and they love being the underdogs. So I think keep an eye on them. I've, unfortunately, I think the only team one can possibly rule out of this championship is Italy. Uh, and once again, unfortunately, there are going to have to be discussions at some point about promotion and relegation, etc., etc., because they really are the whipping boys. Thank you very much for that chat about rugby, gentlemen. Uh, we are going to go into uh, some talk about the other uh, big uh, uh, headline sporting event that's been happening uh, over the past two weeks, which has been uh, the winter. Olympics. Uh, I'm going to kick off about in this about this in a second. I just want to uh, read out some text. Uh, essentially, we've had uh, someone commending my voice, an unknown person. Thank you very much for that. Uh, and also someone, well, actually, the acting headmaster, uh, Mr. Richard Jones, uh, commending uh, Mr. Sharon's unbelievable refereeing of that tough game uh, uh, on 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 Saturday. Um, uh, so right, Winter Olympics now. You know, talking about the Six Nations made me very happy. I'm not sure this is going to make me particularly happy. It's been pretty controversy-laden as a spectacle so far. And Mr Griffiths, I know you've come in here to talk, but I just want to talk about one thing personally myself. Something that has really wound me up, which is uh, the doping incident uh, with the 15-year-old uh, Russian figure, sp- state, uh, figure skater, Camilla Valieva. I think this is probably, for me, one of the saddest stories, uh, sporting stories of recent time. I mean, this, this girl would be in B if she were a student at this school, and she's been caught up in an absolute storm obviously she's well to provide the backstory she's tested positive uh, for trimetazidine which is basically a heart medication uh, uh um and she has claimed essentially that this this med has been uh confused with her with, with uh, she has been tampered with essentially and she's ended up inadvertently taking her granddad's medication uh, but it is all a little bit shady. And today she finished, she topped the short program uh, and she's going into uh, the uh, the free skate tomorrow, topping the leaderboard. But the reality is she's not going to get a medal ceremony at the current rate because, you know, she, she is skating under a dark, dark cloud. Mr. Griffiths, have you been following this story? I have, I have. Um, it's all very confusing. All very strange. Uh, obviously, the court, she was initially banned or she was suspended from competing. Uh, then the Court of Arbitration of Sport, which is a bit of a mouthful, stepped in uh, and suspended that suspension. Um, so that's why she's competing. Uh, but I think, yeah, as you say, the key thing is remembering she's a 15-year-old girl. You can't imagine the amounts of pressure you're under doing figure skating at that age at the Olympics. So... And I'm the fact, sure the effects will be lasting. Absolutely. And the fact of the matter is she's an unbelievably talented athlete. I mean, if you watch this girl skate, it is sort of poetry in motion, uh, to use a rather oft-pedaled out cliche. Uh, but there we go. Um, and, you know, 
I, I've just got a, a horrible image in my uh, in my head of sort of the pressures that she must be under. And I hope with all my heart that the truth the, the truth will out and that the truth is this story uh, she, she's given. But I'm not convinced. I don't know about you, Mr. Griffiths, uh, but I'm not convinced. What other issues have there been for this this from the, for these uh, Winter Olympics? I mean, there's been the environmental costs as well. I'm sure our listeners have have felt equally resentful about the fact we've seen sort of strips of white amongst uh, bare mountains for the alpine events what have you made of that mr griffiths yeah it's odd it's very odd um i don't know how i stand on it it seems odd to have a winter sports event run on artificial snow um obviously i don't run the olympic committee so i don't know everything that's going on but um Definitely seen something that you want to shift away for, especially for a Winter Olympics. And it's not the first time they've done it. Sochi, I remember as well, was, you know, there was limited snow there because uh, it was basically in South uh, Russia, right in the spring uh, where there isn't much snow. Uh, let's hope that moving, I think they're going back to Turin or somewhere in Northern Italy uh, in four years' time, that the conditions will be a little bit better. Mr. Griffiths, give me something positive about this Winter Olympics, please. I'll start with another sad story. Okay, another Not sad story. Sad. So today, unfortunately, Jarl Magnus Weber, if I'm getting that pronunciation right, he was skiing in the Nordic Combined, which is a cross-country skiing race. Uh, there he was, leading the way by 44 seconds, coming in for the gold medal, and he, would you believe it, went the wrong way. Lost the gold medal, lost the 44-second lead. Um don't ask how he went the long wrong way. I don't oh, think he God. could ever explain. But oh, God. What was the distance that race was run over or skied over, I should say? Not sure. I think it was hours, though. Yeah, yeah. Went hours, on for hours. a while. Well, imagine that. And I mean, cross-country skiing. If any of our listeners have watched it, it is one of the most physically demanding sports uh, in the world. I mean, I just don't know how they do it. Um, uh, so very impressive. What about something a bit more positive, Mr. Griffiths? I mean, I'm thinking Dave the Rocket riding goes for us tomorrow. Dave does go tomorrow. So Dave the Rocket, as he's uh, fondly known, grew up skiing on the dry slopes of Pendle. Uh, has been to four Winter Olympics, I believe. Uh, and he is coming off the back of winning the Slalom World Cup in Kitzbühel recently uh, with his best chance at a medal ever. So yeah. it's not a great course for him. It's quite a mellow course. He excels on the sort of technical stuff of the Alps. But even so, he may be the first medal for the Olympic for the Team GB tomorrow. And I just want to stress: if this chap does win a medal for Team GB, it would it would be up there with sort of Radakanu, Headingley, two thousand and nineteen in terms of recent sporting miracles. Because as Mr. Griffiths said, there is not much snow in the UK, and this chap is out there week in, week out. Uh, on the Ski World Cup competing uh, you know with people like uh, Henrik Christofferson some of the best technical skiers uh, in the world uh, and he's done a great job he won this year on the Hanenkam in Kitzbühel which is you know not it's not quite as famous as it is for the downhill but it's still a very uh, marquee uh, um, slalom race and we're really hoping that he might bring a bit of positivity uh, back to the Midlands with him uh, once he's brought back a medal from the Olympics what about curling we're doing quite well in the curling I believe and there's an outside chance for a couple of medals is this something you followed at all Mr Griffiths uh in the peripheral yeah. um it is, at the moment, our only predicted medal, unfortunately. The men's curling are predicted a silver. Yeah. Uh, they're playing well. They beat Sweden, who are currently, uh, I believe, top of the table, as it is. Um, they beat Sweden today 7-6. Uh, so they are looking good 
to be competitive. They're in the semi-final. I'm not sure when that runs. It'll probably be Thursday, I would imagine. Um, and then the women's as well. They had played a really good day- game today to beat Japan 10-4, I believe it was. Mm. Uh, and they're looking like they could get into the semis as well. So there's there's chances of medals in the curling. Uh, we've got the four-man bob on Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, the two-man bob flipped today. Mm-hmm. So they had a crash on their third run. Um but they should be competitive in the four-man ball. And Skeleton, which is normally one of our sort of, well, we've been historically one of the better uh, teams for it, has been a bitter disappointment uh, so far, I believe, this this uh, Winter Olympics. Any final words, Mr Griffiths, on the Winter Olympics or, or anything else? No, I'd say watch Dave the Rocket tomorrow. Should be a good show. Skiing's always good to watch. Um, and then, yeah, keep, keep hoping for that Olympic medal because I have no doubt they have worked very hard for it so let's just hope that you know we can get a bit of team gb positivity to take out of i think what has been at best a somewhat indifferent games uh all round so i reckon chaps that's about a wrap uh to be honest um i'd like to say a big thanks to my amazing team of pundits from here. we hope you've enjoyed tonight's show if listening to it has inspired you to come on a future show and represent your sport, then please just drop me an email at bgmp at bryanson.co.uk and we'll do all we can to get you on. If you fancy being the next Hugh, Ethan, Ben, Josie, etc., etc., we'll get you on. The next date of the show for your diary is in week eight. That's Tuesday, March the 8th, by which time the Six Nations will be reaching its denouement. Until then, peace out and have a lovely half term. I've been Dr. Pullen and you're listening to Bry Radio. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.